Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Sunday, October 2nd, 2022, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Now Mind You podcast. We are at episode 39, and of course, this is the combat episode. Once again, I'm TJ. I'm Matt. And we got a show for you, right? We yeah. both watched last night's event, at least as of this recording, UFC Fight Night, Dern versus Jan, which took place, I believe, at the Apex Arena in Vegas. Yep, it was um, in Vegas. Listen, uh, I... What what fights did we have? We had uh, at least for the main card, which is the one we looked at. Uh, we had Davis versus Borshov. Borshov. Bor- yeah. Was it because he was like like Barshov? Barshov is like how uh, Paul Felder was pronouncing it. So, yeah, it's, um, it's it's Vorshev though. Vorshev. Okay. Yeah. So we had Davis versus Vorshev. We had Yusuf versus Shanus. We had Barcelos versus Jones. We had Brown versus Trinaldo. And then, of course, we had Dern versus Jan. Uh, spoiler alert, stuff happened. Do what you got to <laughs> do. But uh, without further ado, I'm going to let Matt take it away. Go ahead, sir. All right. So the opening fight, we had Mike Davis versus Borshev. Beast boy. Slava yeah, that's Claus. right. Two Beast Boys in the UFC, by the way. Mm. Uh, Beast Boy Barnett being the other one. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, Barnett. And now I do. No one's yeah, at the battle. <laughs> And no one is at the battle. Uh, yeah, man. So, yeah, Mike Davis. Uh, a few funny things about Mike Davis. Uh, Bro. <laughs> Mike Davis's birthday is the day after mine. <laughs> mm. Number one. So, I'm rocking with him. Two, Mike Davis had the Majin tattoo on the back of his neck. And he, he also has did. a tattoo of Vegeta on his arm. So, you already know. I didn't care what was happening. I had to rock with Bro. Uh, let's get him to 100k followers. Let's yeah. get us to 100k followers. But let's, yeah, let's get, get us there first. <laughs> let's also get him to 100k followers. Yeah. Let, uh, and if you go on his Instagram, it's like full of Dragon Ball and anime references and stuff like that. So you um, know, we like him at the Now Mind You podcast. Exactly. He he's one of the guys. Um, he is actually coming off a pretty significant layoff of time, mm-hmm. uh, having dealing with some injuries, some personal things. Uh, his last fight was January the 20th of 2021. That is correct. Um, which actually ended up granting him a fight at a night bonus against Mason Jones. That was out in Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some more background on him. He actually, once upon a time, was a professional boxer and is undefeated in pro boxing, uh, mm-hmm. 3-0. Uh, as a boxer, his last bout in boxing coming in 2016 after putting up two fights back-to-back in February of 2016 and then one last bout in July of 2016 before converting over uh, or jumping back, I should say, to MMA full-time. This was after he had already won his first two fights in MMA, uh, both via TKO. Mm. Um, But yeah, man, this dude, Mike Davis, has essentially just been fighting damn near his whole life. Listen, not to, to jump no, in, ahead. jump in, but it's go like, ahead. if you want to get motivated, just read that man's UFC Q&A. His first fight was at 15 for a title. Yeah, 15 years old. Yeah. Like, that's um, all I'm going to say there. High school wrestling background, has a degree in mm-hmm. physiology, so good for him. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, fun fact about Mike Davis is he is a... Uh, He's a contender series alumni. That is true. Uh, he actually fought the person who fought right after him on the card, uh, Sadiq. Sadiq Youssef, in a losing effort. 
but he was eventually called up to the UFC uh, about a year later. Unfortunately, it was a, a loss to Gilbert Burns in 2019. However, uh, you know, he's been on a winning track since then. On the other end, we had Vorshev. I'm not going to attempt to say his first name, not out of disrespect, but out of respect for this man because I don't want to butcher it. That's fair. Um, Vorshev also has a previous background in martial arts being a kickboxer. Uh, with a record of 14 and two. Um, and he currently fights for team alpha male mm-hmm. who I, that's actually interesting to know, uh, not even retrospectively, because obviously you could see all the guys in the corner, but considering how this fight went, it was very interesting. Um, so the prevailing theory going into this bout, this bout, which was held, <clears throat> I'm sorry, it held at a uh, lightweight limit of 155. It was very interesting to see how this played out because it was kind of supposed to be viewed as the striker versus grappler type of situation, right? Mm-hmm. With Vorshev being kind of known as the more of a striker over uh, Michael Davis. And it didn't play Damn, out that way. You said way his at all. full government, Michael Davis. No, yeah, my bad. I was I'm looking sorry. at uh, I was I looking was at my like, notes, my bad. No, it's all good. Um, but it, you know, to get that win over Mike Davis, and man, it um it didn't play out like that at all. Right. You know, he, I felt like Mike Davis pretty much dominated this fight everywhere. Yeah, no, it was one way traffic to quote. Almost you. specifically in the grappling exchanges. Um, I, shit, I thought he had a finish in that first round, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Vorshev just turned out to be very, very tough. But even in the standup, you know, Mike Davis looks like he's like slow if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like he looked like he was moving very slow, but he also was kind of hard for Vorshev to get a, you know, get a glove on this guy, man. And mm-hmm. he was taking his time and Mike Davis was beating him in the standup mostly. And when the time came for him to shoot for the takedown, he did. And he was every single round, he was able to secure a takedown and secure top mount. Yep. Top mount. Yep. Not, you know, some kind of half thing, but top mount. Um, TJ, can you kind of speak to a little bit of the jujitsu that he was using, or at least just some? It of was the- a combination of jujitsu and wrestling, in the sense that he was essentially kind of riding uh, the wave that was Borshev quite a few times. Because what was happening is, and Dominic Cruz pointed this out really well. And you know, Dominic Cruz is like sharp as attack when it comes to commentary. But the this the way Davis since this fight is just like. Shot after shot after shot, the shot and the reshot. Like he would, because he would sometimes shoot for takedowns. Borshev would get right back up, but then Mike Davis was like, "Cool, I got another one for you." Double leg. But what would often happen is like Davis would essentially get Borshev's back. Believe it or not, right? So he'd end up on Borshev's back. Borshev would be like, "No, fuck that! I'm not letting you take my back and get this rear naked choke off." And Borshev would flip to his back, or it's end up in some type of half guard scenario where. Uh, Mike Davis is inside of Borshev's half guard, and then Mike Davis would basically kind of punch his way, elbow his way into a top mount where he was punishing Borshev, but, you know, without discrediting Mike Davis, he was still kind of hunting a finish, but it was just a lot of the same, like, you could have, it was one of those situations, I I wonder if you feel the same, where you could have taken the ending out of every single round, and it was the same thing. Say it again? Like, you could have taken a picture of the way every single round ended. Yeah. And it was damn near the same thing every time. 
Uh-huh. And there was there was one moment though for sure for Vorshev where he pre- he literally shut Mike Davis's eye. Yeah, that is uh-huh. true. He caught him with a what was it? Was it a left hand? Was it an elbow? I think the way it swelled up, it was definitely an elbow because there was a lot of blood yeah. as well. Yeah. Um man, he even in that, you know, that almost forced him to I don't want to call it a desperation, but it damn near made him do a desperation shot. And guess what happened? Top mount. Yep. Again. You know, so it's kind of tough, man. We got to deal with stuff like that. I mean, he just mauled this guy, man. Like, I just, I literally, when I was watching the fight, I said that verbatim. I was like, Jesus, he's mauling this guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? what I said. I was just like, that shit was crazy. I was surprised that they didn't stop it in the first round. Yeah, but you know, Borshev was still, at least by that referee standards, he was still active. Like, he was actively defending himself. I mean, himself. I guess. <laughs> I think you know for I mean? a lot like, of it, it's like he was at least trying to move still. He was, right. uh, would I call it? People sometimes move when they're unconscious too, but you know, it's neither wow, here nor there. But you're right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I actually can't even be mad at that. You, you, points were made. <laughs> I mean, the data backs me up. Uh, I'm, I'm just, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, do you want to take us into our next bout? Yeah, this will be brief. I feel yeah, like the fighter, uh, me talking be. about the fighter data is going to be longer than the actual fight. Yeah, uh, you, you will talk more about the fighter data than <laughs> the fight went. Uh, but yeah, uh, we have Yusuf versus Sheamus. Uh, this was in the featherweight division, right? So we had uh, Super Sadiq Yusuf versus Shameless Don Sheamus, which they both have some nicknames that roll right off the tongue. Uh, but Sadiq Youssef, 28 years old, fighting out of Nigeria by way of, I want to say, Maryland, because uh, he's out there with Team Lloyd, or is it Virginia? But he's out there with Team Lloyd Irvin. They're based out uh, East Coast, right? DMV mm-hmm. area. MMA stylist made his UFC Octagon debut December of 2018, but he's been pro, fun fact, since 2016, came off of Dana White's Contender Series, and as Matt mentioned, well, Tuesday Night Contender Series, but as Matt mentioned, he does have a win over Mike Davis, right? Decision win, still, mm-hmm. right? Nonetheless, uh, his last three fights, uh, least recent, uh, got a dub over Touchy Feely back in January 2020 by decision, got a L to uh, Allen back in April of last year by Unaz's decision, and of course we covered it on the podcast, got that decision win over uh, Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres back in May of this year. Um, and it was interesting, too, watching that fight because it was like Sadiq, I believe, had just come off a bunch of injuries, uh, back injuries, and he just played a smart fight. Um, but then on the other side of the spectrum, we got Shameless Don Shanus, 32 years old, fighting out of the UFC, MMA styles, and he was making his octagon debut in the UFC that night. So as of this recording yesterday, Saturday, he's been pro since 2016 as well. And believe it or not, he does have a TKO win over UFC veteran Cody Fister. Uh, hmm. Last three fights, not really because, again, he was making his U- UFC debut uh, that night. Um, let me tell you something. Sadiq Youssef, to quote Matt, he has some place to be. Uh, for one, right off the top, there is a huge high difference between the two. And as soon as the round starts... They definitely sh- had to have told this man that they was not going to validate his parking. Uh, they must have told him that when he got there. But- I mean, yeah, he's like, I can't be here long, man. Uh, I just got this car. It's what it is. But 
instantly those of you punches get Seamus in the clinch knee after knee after knee bounces him off of the fence Seamus tries to shoot a double uh Sadiq Yusuf is like you know what I haven't gotten yet yet uh a submission finish thank you grabs the guillotine that's a wrap mm-hmm. 30 seconds into the first round y'all Sadiq gets the guillotine turns around does this are you not entertained to the crowd but not off of the are you not entertained vibes it's like just like Awesome, like thank y'all, uh, thank you y'all. Witness the greatness vibes, right? No, and tell tell him how it happened. That that was basically it. No, he he fucking got that guillotine, and that was a wrap, bro. I, ain't after nothing to that, say. after that plum clinch and a million knees to the damn yeah, body. No, Shane has tried to shoot some, and then Sadiq Yusuf said, "Thank you for your neck." But the guillotine was it was a good guillotine because we got to talk about this. Depending on the camera angle, like if it was that camera angle where you can see Sadiq's face. Uh, you can see Shane, the top of Shanus's head. Like that's how deep the guillotine was. So it was like it was really just like it's only a matter of time before this dude taps. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, somewhat of a highlight reel finish for Sadiq, but not a great debut for Don. Um, right shit. place at wrong time, man. It's, shit. It's what it is. Now it. Let's be real. Don Shanus may have been also kind of a last minute replacement. Uh. Because when I was looking at the UFC website earlier this past week, he didn't have mm-hmm. any fighter date on him. He didn't even have a picture. I, I still don't think he might. He They may have updated his picture as of uh, our recording. Let me hold, hold on one second. I think I still got the uh, website up. Yeah, they just added a picture, but he's like new, new to the UFC. Um, like I just said, I don't even think he came off of like any type of contender series or anything like that. Like he's like new, 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 new. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me look at fighter fight UFC history. Yeah, so they didn't have any date on him, and I don't think he was uh, Sadiq's original opponent. Or it could also be Sadiq being like, "Hey, let me get somebody who's ranked," you know, because he's kind of been asking for that for a while. But mm-hmm. uh, I got nothing to add, man. You got some, any thoughts on this fight? Dog. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even have nothing to say really. I, I can't form a thought. It was a grand opening, grand closing, literally. And Sadiq went in there and walked through that, man. And I mean, that guillotine was tight as hell. Yeah. I'm surprised even for the, the handful of seconds he was in that, that he didn't just tap right Immediately away. Immediately tap, yeah. Shit. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. was locked up. There was no fighting it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It was locked up that Because he, he also no had it. his hips under control, too. Like, he had the hips locked down. So, there, yeah. Bro, he was going to wiggle your way out. It was just like. Every way that you F. would imagine getting that. And I'm not even a jujitsu guy. But every way that you would imagine getting that off is exactly how he got it. Yeah. Holy huh. shit, dude. There were more bonuses in the prelims. There, hold on. One. Side note. Two. Yeah. Three. Because I got the website open. Four. Five. Five bonuses in the prelims, Matt. Yeah. Anyway, you want to take us into Barcelos versus Jones? Yeah, man. So we got, all right, how do you say it? Barcelos? Barcelos. All right. We got Haroni Barcelos versus Trevin Jones. So on one end, we got Trevin Jones from New Orleans, 32 years old. Uh, Five-star Trevin Jones, by the way. Uh, which I thought was a cool nickname, Brazilian, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt. Oh, gosh, that was, I don't know why I just struggled to say that real quick, but Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt. Um, he is still, I would say, roughly relatively new to the UFC. Uh, he's been to UFC since 2020. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he got his got a win in his debut via TKO in Vegas uh, back in 2020. However, it was turned into a no contest after he tested positive for marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I mean, it is what it is. Right. Um, he uh, That fight was also at a catch weight of 140. Uh, and that was his victory over Tamil Vailiv. Um, ever since then, he turned around, and picked up another win over uh, Mario Batista. Um, he's pretty much only fought in Vegas. He's only fought at like the Apex. Um, he was coming into this fight on a two-fight skid, having um, taken a guillotine loss uh, in another fight that was a catchweight because his opponent missed weight, mm. and. And then he had a decision loss against uh, Havid Basharat. On the other end, we have Haroni Barcelos, who is 35 years old from, you guessed it, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. What? Yeah, surprisingly. That's right? crazy. Hey, I'm going to tell you something else that's probably surprising. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. No. Oh, crazy. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's insane, man. You wouldn't <laughs> believe it. Um, he has been the UFC since 2018, making a splash on his debut, getting a KO victory over Kurt Holabau. And he also was coming into this fight, uh, coming off of two losses, uh, one of which to Tamir Valiev, same guy, mm-hmm. um, which is, well, the same guy that Jones beat in his debut. Mm-hmm. He uh, got a loss to that guy, and he also has a loss to Victor Henry. That was back in January of 2022. I mean, January, the, eh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. January 22nd. That's why it threw me off. It's January 22nd. But mm. he has his loss from January 22nd. Trevin was coming off of a loss back in March. So um, this match, to me, on paper was relatively even. Uh, just because they boasted pretty much a lot of the same skill set, mm-hmm. just in the sense of, you know, you, you I, at least for me, I always like seeing like the two Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, both guys with the exact same height. Um, obviously, this fight was at uh, Bantamweight, it was at 135. Um, the only real difference here was the reach where uh, Baselios, uh his reach was 67 inches and Trevin's reach was 70 um however despite these guys having a lot of similarities that's pretty much where it ended and this fight was not a very even one no Um, it was not no man everything like in every department barcellus dominated this fight yeah um he beat him in total strikes by a landslide i mean look i'll just put it like this total strike difference was 171 to 61 yeah total significant strikes uh landed was 73 to 11. Uh takedowns was 2 for 5 for Barcelos and 0 for 2 on Trevin Jones's part. Yeah. Um the guy just was outmatched, man. Um he was outmatched on the feet, he was outmatched on the ground. There was a, a moment in the second round uh where Barcelos was able to get a real nasty elbow in and cut a got a nice cut in on the inside of not the inside of his head, obviously, but like right on the top of his head where you kind of could see the blood coming through his hair. Trevin Jones he yeah. threw his hair out a little bit and, you know, had blonde tips. And it was definitely a streak of red in there. Yeah, um, 100%. That was, that was coming from that, his head getting kind of cracked open. Um, there were a few submission attempts, but I, 
it they were submission attempts, and you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong here, TJ. They were more so used to transition to a more advantageous position for striking. Yeah. I don't think they were a real submission attempts that were being made. Um, man, Barcelos just was all over this guy, like from the from the onset. He was hitting him with really nice right hands to the body. At a certain point in the third round, he actually folded him over. Yep. straight right hand to the body, which I thought was crazy. Yes, sir. Um, and again, there was only those two takedowns, but the two times he did take him down, which was, I believe, the first and the uh, the second round, he kept him down for a very significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't call any of the rounds 10-8 personally, um, but I will say that it was just it was just all domination. Um and I also want to want to say this as well. Just from a uh, <laughs> from a fan perspective, I felt like for the main card, TJ, it was like all you because it was so much grappling in the main card. Like, yeah, it was a ton of grappling in the main card, which I wasn't mad at either. I enjoy seeing some good grappling as long as it's like you know, not motherfuckers just sitting there stalling and stuff. But right. that's just me personally. You know, I, I understand that there's intricacies and stuff to the art of jujitsu. Um, but yeah, man, it, this was just, I, I don't have a ton of notes on this other than the fact that Marcellus did everything. I mean, he even got a knockdown in the very first round. Yeah. You know, dropped him, hit him right on the chin with a nice hook. And, you know, what can you do from that point? It just, it seemed like Trevin Jones. Couldn't get his feet together. He, let's he never could get his feet together. And I think that knockdown just kind of set him to a point where he couldn't recover. Right. And, you know, it's hard to recover when you're in a cage and a guy is coming after you and taking you down and hitting you in the head on top of that. Right. So it was just it was hard for him to ever really get any footing in this fight. Um, you know, we but we know how uh, any of the other fans would know. Right. Like right. typically two, three losses in a row. That might mean your job. And unfortunately, that may may mean uh, Trevin Jones's job. There's no guarantee there. But, man, Barcelos was fighting like his job was on the line and. Yeah, you know, he definitely went and got that win. I mean, the cardio, everything was just really on point. He was all over this dude, man. Maintaining like he, that pace, dude. Maintained the pace. It wasn't even like it was some insane pace. It was just literally the fact that he just didn't leave him alone. No, he did not. He never, never gave him an opportunity to feel safe or anything like that. He stayed in this guy's face, man. So, mm-hmm. um. You know, obviously, you know, you got to give congratulations to Barcellus and, you know, hopefully we see Trevor Jones down the road. Might see him on another fight card. Right. Um, but, yeah, man, it was no other way really to explain that. That was just one-way traffic. It was, man. It was one-way yeah. traffic. Do you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, No, sir. I think you hit it right on the head. It was literally one-way traffic. Um, honestly, felt like I always feel conflicted because when it comes to like fights and brutality, especially th- situations like that, it's like, man, I would rather it just be like a stoppage. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to three rounds, just continuous punishment like that. Um, but that's what it is. Barcelos followed the game plan. Even right to the end, he was still hunting for a finish, just ran out of time. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's it's just what it is, man. It is just what it is. That's the fight game. 
Yeah, man. You want to take us into Randy Brown versus Francisco Trinaldo? Yeah, man. Uh, so we have a welterweight bout, right? On the one end, we have Randy Rude Boy Brown due to 6'3 and able to cut under 200 pounds. So knew you was going to feel away. <laughs> it's what it is. It's what it is. No, no. I'm, I am not bitter. Uh, <laughs> but 31 years old, fighting out of Jamaica by way of New York, right? Uh, MMA mm-hmm. stylist made his UFC Octagon debut back in January of 2016. And fun fact, he got discovered on Dana White's looking for a fight. And he's been a pro since 2014, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, giving you a bit of his last three, least recent to most, Oliveira by, uh, this was around April of last year, got that dub by submission. Gooden, back in October of last year, got that dub by unanimous decision. And against Williams, got another dub uh, that was May uh, this year. This was Chaos Williams. We covered this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, got that split decision victory over Chaos Williams. Shout out Chaos. You uh, missed the death stare. Listen, dude. And then on the other hand, we have Francisco Masaranduba or Handuba Trinaldo, uh, which is a Brazilian redwood tree, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. His nickname. Forty three years old. I think the second oldest uh, outside of Glover, right? Uh, competitor, yeah. active competitor. Active no, competitor no, no, right no, now. no, no, no. You're forgetting the guy, the boa constrictor, the the heavyweight. Uh, 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 uh Alexi Olenek. What? How old is he? Mm, I'll tell you right now. But Alexi Olenek, I know for a fact, is seventy three years there. old. <laughs> That's funny as hell. Seventy three. Uh, yeah, Alexi Olenek's forty five. I did not know this. Um, yeah, yeah Alexio Lennox, he, he, he fought in this card. He fought, yeah, I bro. Think he was in the prelims versus <laughs> he uh, fought on the prelims. Latifi. Uh, I think he got the win too. No, yeah, yeah, uh, Latifi beat him. Latifi beat him, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, Alexi fought in this card too. Um, but uh, yeah, 43 years old, Francisco Trinaldo fighting out of Brazil, Jiu Jitsu stylist, a right? Um, uh, mm-hmm. made his UFC octagon debut. He's a 20-year, uh, not 20, <laughs> he's, 20, he's a 10-year veteran of the UFC, right? Because he made his well, debut. Like, God damn. Back in 2012. <laughs> made his debut in 1992. No, okay. You'd be a third. Anyway. Yeah, but, uh, that'd be crazy, right? <laughs> uh, fun fact, pro since 2006. Another fun fact that I told Matt off, uh, off air, he stopped training kickboxing because there were far too many rules. So he switched over to MMA. Uh, see the here nor there. But last three fights against Salikov, King Kung Fu, back in June of last year, took an L by unanimous decision. Against Grant, back in October last year, got that split decision win. And against Roberts, got that uh, unanimous decision win back in May of this year. Right. So he's coming off a two fight streak. And then we got uh root boy Brown, who is honestly very respectful of Trinaldo. I believe they even said he like affectionately called him uncle Trinaldo coming off a mm-hmm. three fight win streak. Right. But I saw him at this before we started recording. It was like watching this fight. It was like base, very similar to a lot of the Randy Brown fights I've seen so far, where it's like a very strong uh, majority of the fight, then kind of a not so strong ending of the fight. But uh, Matt said this, and I 100% agree. The person who won the fight should have won. Um, now I'm gonna say this real quick, all right? Chinaldo 
And and then like looking at just the height difference between the two folks, I, I want to say Trinaldo's like what five eight to Randy Brown's like six three. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I was wondering is like how is Trinaldo going to overcome the 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 height difference, right? The reach difference between him and Randy Brown because Randy Brown is lanky as shit. Like I'm six three and I I'm lanky, but I'm no Randy Brown. And you know the weight, uh, <laughs> but. Um, but it's like Randy Brown is leveraging his distance management. He's got those long limbs, that long teep, the long jab. Some you would think keeping Trinaldo at bay, but right off the bat, we see that Trinaldo is able to leverage leg kicks. And then one thing we gotta give Trinaldo credit for right off the bat, if you want highlights, he took Randy Brown down twice. Mm-hmm. Best visual I'm gonna give you is when uh, Daniel Cormier, I forget which battle it was for, with him and John Jones, because they fought like two or three times. No, three times, right? No, mm-hmm. two times. Two, or was it two? Wait, who? Uh, him versus John Jones. Who was him? Uh, Cormier? Dan, Daniel Cormier. Yeah, they fought twice. They fought twice, right? Because the second time he was like, ain't no point. if it, But mm-hmm. now there are asterisks on those fights because somebody wasn't fighting clean. But that being said, when Cormier took down John Jones or when Cormier takes anybody down. Cause like first takedown was just like, okay, he got that dub, that double leg. But the second takedown, dude, he lifted Randy Brown. Like Matt, Mm -hmm. how crazy was that sequence? It was like, he threw a hook. The hook ended up latching. I'm not even going to say caught the body because it wasn't the fist. It was like his forearm caught Randy Brown's waist. He used it was like low key like some Demetrius Johnson Matrix moment, and if you know Mighty Mouse, you know what I'm talking about. I don't mm-hmm. even I don't even think it goes by Mighty Mouse. He just goes by Mighty now. But if you know mm-hmm. Mighty, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like he swung. He used that forearm to like kind of help swing his body around the back of Randy Brown, caught his center of gravity, and I'm clapping my hands together because my hands, my hands together because he lifted Randy Brown up and slammed him. To call it a takedown would be a disservice to, like, Francisco Trinaldo's work. But, like, he took that man down several times. And then, going back to the leg kicks, he managed to get Brandy Brown onto his knees with some of these inside calf kicks. Like, I want to say at least twice during the fight. So, Randy Brown won because, for one, you know, reach advantage. But also, he, like, the way he dropped Francisco Trinaldo, I believe it was in round one, was high key cartoonish because it, it's honestly what you would visualize in your head when you imagine two people of with this much of a height delta between them a height discrepancy like he hit him with a right hand but but i don't want to laugh but it's just like cartoonish in that he said Trinaldo careening across the canvas. Yeah, man, he was just he, trying to, he kept he trying to fell, recover. Man, like, he fell, yeah. <laughs> he fell against, like, he dropped him and he fell off the fence. Like, <laughs> it, sorry, it's just like. No, it was funny. It's it funny as hell, right? Like, like, oh, I know he didn't hit this man like he's an anime character. Yeah, bro just was trying like, to, he was trying to recover and just could not. Yeah, it was just like, shit, like, what you hit him with? Completely off balance. Like, yeah. Um, but it was what it is. Now, this is where I'm going to say it did kind of turn into a typical Randy Brown situation. And he himself was like, it wasn't his best performance, but he really did gas out in the final round. And we have to understand that. Like, literally round three, the way it ended, Randy Brown was on his back. 
taking strikes from Francisco Trinaldo. Like Trinaldo was basically doing ground and pound from Randy Brown's guard. Um, so it wasn't like a, a great way to end the fight, but it's like he did enough work and he secured the first two rounds really uh, to eke out that decision win. Um, but yeah, no, it was like, again, the person who should have won one, but I will say Trinaldo has my respect because he, once he figured out how to get past the the height difference, like he did work. Um, hey man, it just it just took him a minute, you yeah. know. And I can only imagine being under six feet fighting a man that's six three who very ac- like very adequately knows how to use his size. Uh huh. It's tough. Yeah. You got any other thoughts? Because it's all you, man. No, man. You know, it's always. It's always interesting watching Randy Brown fight literally for that reason, because this is very clearly a guy who like they they mentioned it on commentary every time he fights, too. It's like he's really good at using his length, yeah, you know, to just keep guys away. And he isn't one of those guys that keeps you like too far out. He just keeps you right at the end of that punch, like right where the the snap is devastating. Yep, It keeps you right where the snap is going to be for that punch, man. And. It's just like, damn, that's got to suck. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Just trying to deal with that. Um, but I I thought Trinaldo definitely just, you know, took the very veteran approach as he needed to and just worked around it, you know, for as long, you know, it, it, as soon as he was able to, he definitely turned the tide, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I always like watching Randy Brown fight. It blows my mind that he's 170 just because, like, he's fucking Israel uh, no, on his side. It angers me, but yes. <laughs> Like, you know, he just demands like Israel Adesanya's size. Like, he's as big as any other, like, middleweight. But then also when you see him, like, he is skinny, you know? Mm-hmm. So, makes sense. Um, I definitely, and this is, you know, playing couch QB, I just wish Trinaldo would have committed more to the leg attack. He was finding so much success there. Yeah, I just, I don't think, but I think the the threat of the counter over the top to the leg kick was enough to right. kind of make him feel like he didn't want to do that as much, which I can a hundred percent understand because, you know, I, we've seen plenty of times dudes just get utterly obliterated, just going for a leg kick. So yeah, I can definitely understand how something like that, you know, how that could be that conclusion. I just, I just wish he would have done more of that because he was finding success with it. And I mean, like Randy Brown wasn't riding those leg kicks. His legs was getting chopped. Oh yeah, no, yeah. quite literally. Yeah, his uh, legs were getting he chopped. He got dropped twice off of him. Yeah, man. Those. Yeah, he kicked his legs out from under him at least once. So, you know, at least just. And I'm saying at least once from what my direct memory of it was from yesterday. Like he was yeah. chopping those legs. So there's one that had like beautiful timing too. Mm-hmm. Like where I, even I was like, what the fuck just happened? And they I caught it on the replay. Yeah, um, I just um. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. But overall, I thought it was, you know, a good performance from both guys. I thought the right guy won. Uh, it, it's also interesting because it's like, it also makes me wonder what would have happened if this was a five-round fight, mm. you know, yeah. as opposed to three. It is what it is. You know, you never know. Because, you know, we've seen Randy Brown plenty of times. You know, we've covered him on the show before. So mm-hmm. he's still an entertaining guy, still fun to watch. Um you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing whatever he's going to do next or, you know, when his next show winning is going to be. And 
Kind of the same thing for Ternaldo. Ternaldo's been around for a while, man, like a legitimate, legitimate, legitimate veteran. So that was a good win for Randy Brown because, you know, as much as we can put uh, underdogs and shit like that up, you know, you really just never know. You know, fighting is the, the theater of the unexpected, man. So yeah, you just never know. Also, just a random side note, I thought it was so funny that now what they do uh, as the abbreviations as far as showing, well, one, they now show uh, betting odds coming into the fight. And they didn't used to show that all the time. They, yeah, This is something they've done a little more recently. This definitely wasn't the first time mm-hmm. that they've posted that. But the one thing I thought was uh, that I thought was funny was they put on, uh, instead of saying underdog, it just says dog. <laughs> it's just it was like dog plus yeah. whatever it was and i was just like oh he got this much extra dog in him <laughs> <laughs> the dog meter <laughs> dog meter basically yeah that's what they need they need to add a dog meter that shit is funny but yeah uh, that's, that's all i was thinking about and i'm just being fucking silly whatever. <laughs> um but yeah man uh you good or you can't okay we no man to this take main? a sense of the main all right, man. So uh, in our Gucci Mane LaFleur event, we had Whew. Mackenzie Dern versus Yan Xiaonan or Xiaonan Yan. I apologize because, you know, it's Chinese, so it's the other way around. We also don't want smoke. but Yeah, don't want no problems. Uh, so I'll start with the person who respectfully is a little bit lesser known, uh, Xiaonan Yan uh, from China. Uh, from Xinjiang, uh, the Yaoning section of China. Hmm. Uh, nickname's Fury. Other nickname is Nine. She's five foot five. This fight was at strawweight, one fifteen, and she's fighting out of Beijing, China. Uh, however, she has very recently joined Team Alpha Male. Team Alpha Male was all they over. They had this a damn presence card. on this card. Bro. I was like, God damn, is this a Team Alpha Male card? Every time I looked up, Team Alpha Male. You ride Faber, go home. Person. Yeah, damn, bro. <laughs> I was like, well, I thought y'all was in Cali. Y'all clearly is heavy in Vegas, but right. Um, you know, whatever. Uh, similar to another Chinese fighter I'm a huge fan of, as you already know. Uh Nan Yan has a background in Sanda. Mm. Um and she has been in the UFC since 2017. Mm. Uh she came to the UFC in 2017, pretty much was on a tear. Um Winning about you know like six fights in a row, she beat Carolina Kovalkiewicz as well and Claudia Gadea, yeah. which are two you know so. pretty good names to beat. And she has a win over Angela Hill. Um, That's saying so. Yeah, she she's she's got some legitimate dubs uh, under her belt. Um, she was looking to kind of bounce back after taking two losses back to back. She was TKO by Carla Esparza, mm-hmm. and then she has a decision loss against Marina Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other end, we have Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern has been in the UFC since 2018, mm-hmm. um, picking up two wins, dropped one to Amanda Ribas, uh, picked up another four, dropped one also to Marina Rodriguez. And then she, here recently, back as, as recently as April, has picked up a victory over Tisha Torres. Um, that was a split decision win that she got back in April. I remember we covered that one. Yeah, we sure did. You're right. Uh, and that was that was a close fight, I thought. Yeah, same. I don't think so, the right person won. See you know there. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, so coming into this fight, uh, I don't really necessarily <laughs> know how to how to put this, but I did not feel like this fight was very even. You know, um, Mackenzie Dern is 
this was really 100%. And I know we say this damn near every fight, but this is it's shit. It's damn near the crux of the UFC, right? The striker versus grappler type of thing. That's the point of the UFC is to like have all these people with these different styles go against each other. Um, and man, when I tell you, Zhao Nan on the feet was so dangerous. Like, so fucking fast. She's so quick. Like, for to like, it's just a prime example. She was throwing overhands with her hand at her waist. Almost with, like, like Volkanovsky. Yeah, nearly no one. I mean, Vol- Volkanovsky's like kind of low key becoming the Ricardo Martinez of the featherweight division. Mm, damn um, yeah. <laughs> but But she was fast, man. Yeah, she had very good feet under her. Her striking was very clean. Um, and I mean, like I said, she was able to to pull off some pretty impressive strikes just with her hands being very low, which I know is, you know, pretty atypical of fighters that are really comfortable. But to get an overhand off with your hand at your waist while the person is approaching you, you know what I'm saying? Your hands are down. Her hands were down and she was getting these like full glove. We're not talking slap like. We talking, she was getting the whole glove on Mackenzie Dern. Within and I would the be, first oh, 30 seconds, there was redness around Dern's right eye. Mm-hmm. And I would be remiss not to mention Mackenzie Dern's chin. I mean, yeah. dog, she was taking some shots. Yeah. Man, she was, she was taking some stray shots, and it wasn't enough, man. It literally was not enough. She The type of shot she took... I would expect would buckle at least the knees of somebody else. Yeah. Not even so much as a knee buckle, not so much as a stumble, just a twist of the neck and kept it moving. Yeah. Um, And for that, I have to give her an immense amount of respect because that shit was crazy. She was taking some shots. Um, I thought it was just overall an an incredible, really, performance from uh, Shaunan Yan just because... She was actually taken down twice by Mackenzie Dern, but and the way that she was in okay. some tight submissions. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna get into that. She was able to to get up um, you know, a handful of, you know, two two of those times. Mackenzie Dern had officially eleven takedown attempts and only was able to pull two of them. Um, and her striking just her striking wasn't wasn't bad in comparison. It's just like is a freshman and a, a senior. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. a freshman and a senior in college and a freshman in high school, as far as strikes are concerned. You know, this is this woman. <laughs> no, well, here's what I'm saying. Her striking is is really that because that was her entire background leading up to her before she even did, you know, MMA. Her mm-hmm. whole background is in striking mm-hmm. versus Mackenzie Dern's entire background is in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? She comes from this long lineage of that. So I was still, I will 100% give Mackenzie Dern her credit. I was very thoroughly impressed with the amount of, with just with the strikes and just with the toughness. And the fact that no matter what, she kept pushing forward. You know, say what you will, but she kept Zhao Nan Yan on her back foot the entire fight. Yeah. I don't think that girl was ever able to press forward, like, during the course of this bout. Um, now, if you don't mind, TJ, I'd like you to go into it because I want to say it was her second takedown. She had this girl in some trouble. I didn't even understand what I was looking at. She had her on her back. One arm was behind her, but then she was being choked. But then it turned into something else, and she hooked her leg. I, I don't know, man. Please, it was, it was please essentially like Mackenzie was. I th- was it was around two or round 
three or maybe it was round one, but it was in the early rounds before we got into the championship rounds. It was three. Rounds. It was definitely around three because um, I thought it was over with. But this was where like Mackenzie Dern was working off of her back initially, but you could see like as Jan was putting on the pressure, trying to get some ground and pound going, Mackenzie wasn't really worried about it like that, like that. Not that the hits don't hurt, but more mm-hmm. like she had a greater strategy in mind. And one thing you should see with Mackenzie's close guard um, is she often tends to go for this omoplata. And basically, if you don't know what an omoplata is, think Kimura, but instead of the show block occurring with the arms, this is going to happen with the legs. So it's like your figure four and your legs around that arm, that bent arm and putting pressure on the shoulder. So Mackenzie is slowly finagling her legs in a position where essentially she's got to like open up her guard, get like keep control over one arm and essentially the leg that's on the side of the arm that she eventually wants to lock is going to kind of hook while the other leg kind of swings out or kind of slowly essentially kind of um cinches the figure four. So she cinches that figure four and uses the pressure of the short lock to force Jan to get onto her belly. But we got to give Jan credit too because, man, her shoulders are built different. Um, I would have fucking tapped. Because that, that, I don't know about you, man, but seeing... The way her body was bent and her arm was going and Mackenzie was just holding on to that omoplata, I had to kind of look away a little bit because it was making me worried. Like, I'm not trying to see a break right now because sometimes those are even more gruesome than the knockouts. Um, I'm going to just keep it a buck. Uh, but yeah, Her submission defense and takedown defense were like a was crazy. I'm sure she's feeling it today. Ain't no way she's not feeling it today. It's like, man, got out of that, but I can't use my right arm today. Um, but that being said, Mackenzie is out here playing chess when it comes to jiu-jitsu because she was two steps ahead. She felt Jan kind of resisting or working her way out of it. So she's like, all right, cool. While you're doing that, let me go ahead and set up this head and arm choke where essentially she's using one of her arms against the carotid of Jan's and then using Jan's shoulder to choke the other side. But Jan had an answer for that too. Um, it was just wild. There was there were so many instances where you just saw Mackenzie going after submission to submission to submission again that is just the lineage showing what it does right that's just mm-hmm. the bloodline doing what it does the blood art if you will right her kick again kai right mm-hmm. so, that's like my third naruto reference today in two different we on a roll with this shit today um but it was to the point where and we got to give yan her props mackenzie finagled an armbar from the guard 20 seconds or um maybe like 30 seconds to a minute left in the final round. Looks like she's all but ready to cinch it. Because, like, Perello gave her, like, hey, listen, chips are down right now, girlfriend, right? You mm-hmm. lost three rounds. You got to stop her. This is it. And Mackenzie came out with some fire in her chest, man. She was like, all right, get these hands. Although, you know, at the end of the day, her striking isn't necessarily comparable to Jan's, but she was aggressive with it. Got a professional fighter for a reason. Yeah. Got that shit to the ground and fucking went after that arm bar. But Jan was like, I want to win too. And (laughs) just pulled that arm out and it turned into a ground and pound situation. Then the buzzer went off, but you got to give props to both of them. But like Dern was definitely on her jujitsu bag or in her jujitsu bag. But Jan, she even said like in the post fight interview, she was like, we didn't even really train striking. It was just wrestling and jujitsu defense. Um, and you know Team Alpha Male is down to scrap on whatever front. Uh, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, man, I ain't got no like what what they up, some what, they some scrapping ass grapplers. Yeah, what'd you think? What what, what were the rest of your thoughts? Because I know you made me segue into the jujitsu. My bad. I kind of oh no off no track. you good. That's what I wanted you to talk. I I couldn't speak to it. That's why I had to ask you to do it. You know what I'm saying? I mm-hmm. I can't explain it all. Like I said, she had on the ground. Her arm was behind her back. She was getting choked. That's not <laughs> telling people nothing. You know what I'm saying? Well, it kind of is. <laughs> but I I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's um, like that's really what happened. <laughs> nah, Joe, that bro, bro, she hooked her own leg to stop herself from getting choked. Yeah, I was like, I was pissed off too because I was like, that shouldn't work. I tried that once, <laughs> and when I woke up, no, nah, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm, you funny <laughs> like, but, but you know, she was able to turn it, man. I was determined, bro. Yeah, Shaunan Yan, she was thoroughly impressive, man. I I don't have really a ton to add to it, just in the fact that her. You put 90% of the rest of that roster in any of those situations that Shaunan Yan was in on the ground, they're tapping, man. They're yeah. done. Yeah. Um, the fact that she was able to survive those things, I mean, it was the you even you saying uh saying that that was what she said, it's proof because man, she should be able to she should really be able to be proud and look back at that performance as far as her uh her defensive ability. And really be proud. They must. They really stuck to that game plan because that's 100%. crazy. Like she's choking everybody else out. You out of there. You I, know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're anybody else. You're gone. I think uh, what was Dern was at five or was she six? Because I think it was like five. Like uh, Jan was six, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So the rankings are probably going to get updated soon. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I believe they get updated on Tuesdays. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, God, I say that shit all the time, but it's the truth. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what's what's going to happen going forward. Obviously, I think, you know, nothing is over with for Mackenzie Dern and nothing is over for uh, Shaunan Yan. This isn't one of those fights where either person really lost any stock, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, they both put in a good performance. They both looked really good. I just, you know, I'm, I would like to see Mackenzie Dern train her striking more you know she's already with jason perillo so i get it you know she's, she's on the right path she's on the right path you know it's just uh like with anything especially you know when you're training it it, just, it takes a minute before it all starts to click and again, um, and and to your point too it's like she's a jujitsu specialist but the fights don't start on the ground right yeah, exactly she's gonna have to figure out how to use those other tools to get those fights to her wheelhouse right mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just like to see a little bit better striking out of her, but ultimately, I think it was a good fight. I was entertained by it for our main for that to have been the main event. Mm-hmm. I thought they both turned in a main event performance, like a hundred percent. Yeah, man, I don't have much to add other than it was just a crazy fight. I can throw some stats out there. Um, you know, as far as significant strikes go. You know, Mackenzie Dern, 61 to the 113 of Zhao Nan Yan. Uh, total strikes thrown. You know, Mackenzie definitely threw more, but a lot of her strikes were, uh, especially in the latter rounds, were more so range finder or filler, which were going to lead to a takedown attempt, which is, mm-hmm. you know, obvious in the stats of the 2 for 11 takedowns. Most of it was used to set up takedowns. Not, the, not a lot of it was used to... Uh, you know, to set up real strikes. I mean, there was times that, you know, Shaunan Yan turned Mackenzie Dern around, like made her miss yeah. and was able to roll out to the point she had to turn around like, oh, she's over here now. You yep. know what I'm saying? So just one of those things. But 
I thought the whole card was good. I was in at least for the the main card because I didn't get a chance to see the prelims. Um, I thought every fight was entertaining for what it was supposed to be. Uh, you know, shout out to all the people that apparently on the prelim got all of those bonuses. Apparently, That's, I missed uh, that. That's crazy, yeah. Um, but even looking at it now, it's like submission, TKO, submission, TKO, submission. Mm-hmm. Like that was damn near the whole thing. And according they had to TJ, a man to be. was nearly de- murdered. Yeah, they had the prelims. So. Uh, with that said, that's going to pretty much conclude this episode as far as our combat goes. There was no boxing that uh, this past weekend. If there was, I did not cover it, and I apologize mm-hmm. if I missed out on something. However, um, we do have two boxing matches that I will be covering this upcoming week. We have Sebastian Fendora and Carlos Campo. They're fighting for the interim junior middleweight title. Um, and I'll also be covering Chris Eubank Jr. versus Connor Ben um, at the middle at the junior middleweight catchweight bout, which is pretty much continuing the blood feud from their parents. I'm not making that up, TJ. Their parents were had uh, one of the biggest feuds in their country's history in Britain, and they still hold the record for uh, the largest domestic pay per view in their country, mm. and that was in the 80s. Damn. Yeah, no, it was it was a legit feud. Like I'm, I'm gonna put it to you like this, just to give you context of how big of a fight their parents' fight was. So Connor Ben is the son of Nigel Ben, and Chris Eubank Jr. is the son of Chris Eubank Senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were both middleweights back in the '80s. You know, could not be further apart in terms of like personalities and fighting style. Mm-hmm. They, they. <laughs> Like, just to tell you the importance of it, they essentially had, like, a face-off on the news. Like, they were on the local news when they were, like, talking about their fight with each other. That's yeah. how big of a deal it was. Yeah. Like, imagine two motherfuckers sitting down on, like, WGN or Channel right, whatever, right, whatever right. you get your news or whatever. Right. You know? So, um, but, yeah, this, this fight has finally come to pass. So... That'll be taking place on October the 8th, and we will be covering that because we're going to record the show on the 9th. And we and have a bye week for the UFC. So, man, we get two bye weeks in the UFC. UFC not back to the 15th, dog. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, it's just hitting me. Oh, yeah. no, it's just one. Yeah. But still, yeah. Yeah. We got a bye week. So, there won't be any uh, UFC next weekend. Uh, so, that's what we'll be covering. Thank you guys again for checking us out. This has been the 39th episode, combat episode of the Now Mind You podcast. Not the 39th combat episode, but the 39th episode, period. So technically 39th combat episode. Anyway, <laughs> um, thank you guys for checking us out. You can find me at Matt Hambrick. That's M-A-T-T-H-A-M-B-R-I-C. TJ, where can they find you? Tuss for skate. That's T-U-S-S number four underscore S-K-A-T-E on Instagram. If you guys want to talk boxing, MMA, kickboxing, jujitsu, any of that, hit us up on those social platforms or hit us up on at the Now Mind You podcast, wherever you like to get your podcast or wherever you like to get your social media because we're there as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys so much for checking us out and y'all have a safe time. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace out.